Four days ago, it was Palm Sunday, and we opened the liturgy by processing into the church waving palms. Two days from now, we will begin the Easter vigil with another procession, this time holding in our hands unlit candles. Palms and candles are not stage props in a religious skit. They are signs. Signs communicate a reality beyond themselves. They mean something other than what they are. So, for example, I see a stop sign, and I know to stop. But it isn't the sign itself which makes me stop. Rather, the sign reminds me of the laws that govern the behavior of drivers at an intersection. To be intelligible, a sign must speak in a language familiar to its audience. In the U.S., stop signs read, of course, S-T-O-P. But in Quebec, they read A-R-R-E-T, arrête, the French word meaning stop. Here at the liturgy, our language comes from the scriptures and the tradition of the church. Its vocabulary is not limited to words we speak or sing. It also includes objects and the actions we perform with them. Our hands and our feet can speak in signs as much as our mouths can. On Palm Sunday, our feet processed us into the church, and our hands bore a sign of triumph. We know that palms are a sign of triumph from the scriptures. The Passover crowds who came out to greet the Lord Jesus in the gospel carried the very same palm branches that, two centuries previous, the Maccabees had carried to celebrate their victory against the Gentile overlords of Jerusalem. By employing this sign, the crowds on Palm Sunday were proclaiming their belief that Jesus would be a warrior in the Maccabean mold. His triumphal entrance into Jerusalem would soon lead to a victory procession through Jerusalem. At the Easter Vigil, however, when our feet process us into the church, our pace will be slower and our chant will be simpler than it was on Palm Sunday. Our hands will bear unlit candles that await a flame. So far from proclaiming an imminent triumph, we could say that instead they convey silent expectation. So Holy Week began with a sign of triumph, and it will reach its climax with a sign of expectation. Does this perhaps seem backwards? Usually, expectation comes before triumph. It would be foolish to schedule a World Series victory party before the Cubs had even made it to the playoffs. But between Palm Sunday and Holy Saturday, something happens which completely inverts the ways of the world. That something is the Paschal Mystery. The Paschal Mystery looks at first like total defeat, the disappointment of all expectations. The triumph of Palm Sunday gives way to humiliation and, finally, destruction. Now, this is echoed in the fate of the palms themselves. Immediately upon being cut, they begin to die. Within a few days, they are entirely withered. And, in fact, the liturgy goes on to make use of them as a sign of mortality. The following year, before the beginning of Lent, they are burned. 
The ashes then form another sign, the cross which the priest inscribes into our foreheads. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. All expectations of triumph, this seems to say, whether personal or national, end in dust. And this reversal begins tonight at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Tonight there are no processions with our feet, no waving or holding with our hands. Rather, it is the Lord Jesus himself who performs signs on our behalf. At the Last Supper, he takes in his hands the bread and the wine and declares, This is my body for you, the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Afterwards, he takes in his hands the disciples' feet and he washes them. These are signs not of triumph, but of humility and of love. It is difficult for us to understand today how shocking these actions would have been for the disciples. I want to examine just briefly one of the two signs, that of foot washing. Now, in the ancient world, foot washing, as one scholar has put it, was as necessary a chore as brushing teeth is for most modern people. Feet were protected by no more than open sandals. So all hosts were expected to provide water for their guests to wash their feet, and sometimes they would also provide servants to do it for them. But in a society intensely conscious of relative social status, it would have been virtually unthinkable for a superior, like a rabbi, to wash the feet of his subordinates. There are only a few exceptions in all the scriptures and ancient literature, and in every case, the person washing another's feet is striving deliberately to show his devotion. He is taking on the role of a slave. This is the reversal. This is the inversion at the heart of the Paschal mystery. The Lord Jesus, taking the form of a slave, will humble himself and become obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Having loved his own in the world, he will love them to the end. And so tonight, as we prepare to receive the banquet of his love, let us remind ourselves of the procession that he undertakes on our behalf tomorrow, on Good Friday, the procession to Golgotha, and what he holds in his hands, the cross, to which both his feet and his hands will be nailed. And let us recall that it is only through this self-offering that the light, the new light of his love will be kindled at the Easter Vigil.